Hello and welcome to the Court of Alice podcast. I've got something very important to say. With Action Comics out this week, I was told to be accurate, be brief, and to be seated. And I promise I will be as brief as possible, no matter how long it takes. I'm Joe, and I'm here with Muse. Hello! And V. Hi! We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So to start off, because DC is coming in hot every single week now with their printing and they're doing so much better than Marvel right now, Marvel only had like three or four titles out this week that none of us read. I couldn't even find any actual titles. They were just hardcovers being released there was no actual like issues which was weird because they promised us issues over a month ago and every site showed that there was no marvel comics it was really weird oh my gosh it is a dc week for all three of us which only happens once every full moon so we are going to have muse talk about her dc title because it is so rare that she gets to talk about DC. I usually cover Marvel because it's not all DC. But this week, I'm going to be covering Justice League Dark number 22, which is written by Ram V. And the artist is Alvaro Eduardo Martinez Bueno, who FYI did an incredible job this issue. I really enjoyed his art. So this issue, we're still continuing this whole parliament thing that's been going on because we've lost Swamp Thing. Satana and John Constantine take a dive into the mind of Abigail Arcane to save her from the all-consuming rot, while Animal Man must reach deep within himself to save Detective Chimp and Wonder Woman from hordes of infected rot monsters. But that's not all that they kind of do. There's the perspective of Dr. Fate and Kelly. I do not know how to pronounce his name, but his apprentice is now the new Dr. Fate. There is this conversation between him and these avatars, not like Avatar the Last Airbender, but they're these avatars of flame, stone, water, and wind. It's essentially like they're kind of the gods of the four elements. And he's kind of talking to them, asking them to bring back the Parliament of Life. And he has a really cool conversation with them multiple times about this issue. But the problem is, is that it's interdispersed between what is going on with Zatanna and Constantine and what's also going on with Wonder Woman, Detective Chimp, and Animal Man. Like, you have two major perspectives of these heroes pretty much fighting against different parts of other parliaments. Or I think it's the same one. I don't know. That's also a confusing bit. And this is intermixed kind of in between, I think, acting as a balance point because he's trying to plead to them to do something and they're like now we're not listening but they have some really interesting dialogue which is kind of one of the great aspects of this one of the avatars says to dr fate humankind seems intent on its own destruction perhaps this is the natural state life itself fighting back against an imposed order do you ever wonder if humankind is the anomaly Which is really ironic, considering the current state with coronavirus, with a lot of tourism down, a lot of people being stuck in their houses, pollution's gone down, the waters are clear in Venice, the coral reefs are actually thriving, which is kind of a weird state of like, is this the world balancing itself? Trying to counterbalance the anomaly that is humanity. And of course, at the end, Khalid appeals to them himself, he takes off the helmet, lays himself to the avatars and says at one point during his conversation, you exist 
as you do now because our words gave you form. Our stories gave you intelligence. Without us, undoubtedly you exist, but you have no reason or purpose. You are powerful, but you hold power over nothing. So wow. with, yeah, without the thoughts and stories of man, these gods wouldn't exist. This is probably true for a lot of kind of gods besides probably the new gods and other things that are more alien in origin. But without mm. these gods and these kind of spirits, they wouldn't exist without humans telling stories and humans needing them in that way, which is why they take the form of humans instead of just like, oh, it's a flame. They're like these giant humans in a cave. It's kind of weird. To be honest, I felt this would have worked better as a separate issue with how much they could have really focused in on his plead to them. You could have done a much better job. You could have given a better focus to this because interdispersed between this is, of course, Animal Man getting infected by the rot and weirdly talking to the bacteria in his body, which is another parliament. Because it's considered an animal? Bacteria are animal-like and to help against the rot. He's literally screaming at, it's called the divide or something, and exclaiming to them, like, without us as humans, you wouldn't be able to live. Like, if the rot takes over all of humanity, you don't have, like, hosts. And they're like, all right. And then all of a sudden the rot's gone from all of the humans in, I can't remember what city in California, but they're in California somewhere. It's gone from him. It's gone from the people that became, like, rot zombies. Okay, that was so weird because a little bacteria version of himself was talking to the bacteria in his body <laughs> as he himself is like leaning against a building with rot mushrooms coming off of him. I'm like, this absolutely sounds like something Tinian cooked up. Probably. Very much so. <laughs> I mean, it is his arc that he set up for Ram V to continue. Mm -hmm. It was just so weird. And speaking of the fact that the bacteria are considered a parliament... There's so many parliaments to keep track of now, <laughs> apparently, and they're all coming to be a problem. We've always known the green. Right. The Parliament of Trees. Mm -hmm. Been around since Swamp Thing's been around. You have the red, which is not the flowers. I think it's like the animals because Animal Man mentions it. I don't know. There's the rot. And then there's the Parliament of Flowers, which are assholes. And then there's apparently the Divide. And then there's the Parliament of Life, which sounds like it's just a conglomeration of everything. Like all the parliaments together are making it just a giant parliament. It's basically the Green Lantern. Exactly! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we need like a Wikipedia laying them out there like we would have for the Lantern Corps. <laughs> but beside the awkward and interspersings of the Doctor Fate stuff, and just what the heck with Animal Man... The best part had to be Abigail's dream state. So Abigail Arcane, for those of you who don't know, she's essentially Swamp Thing's lover. She's been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But Constantine rescues her because her brother did something with her in the last issue. It's been a while. This one is the first one since they started printing out again? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so the last one was back in March. I think it might have been really beginning of March. That's like at least three months. Yeah, it's been a while. And I was still getting used to Ram V's way of writing because mm -hmm. it was a, still a, felt like a weird mix between him and Tinian. But her dream state was so cool. Constantine went into the rot to bring her out of it because she's apparently, I think, the swamp thing for the rot supposed to be like their champion kind of thing okay same with like woodrue being the person for the flowers right but her brother is taken over somehow also having rot abilities 
I don't know. I don't know much about them. But Constantine goes in to save her and pulls her out. And she's a little delirious. She's like, do I know you? And for some odd reason, he's like, not yet you don't or you did before. There was oh. something that didn't really make sense about tents. But I overlooked it because the dream area is breaking down around her because Constantine's essentially woken her up from this dream that she's been in. Mm -hmm. And the coloring is breaking down. It's not just in the art kind of like breaking down, but also in the speech bubbles. So you see like black and white line art as it's like kind of encroaching into sections of each panels. Mm -hmm. And where the speech bubbles are, you see like the blue lines where they would put the uh, lettering. Okay. So it's kind of like them showing where like kind of the under bit but doing very artistically and I greatly appreciated that so that was a good work between him as the penciler and the uh, colorist and inker but it was kind of that showing of it breaking down yeah around her so props to both the main artist and the colorist and the inker because that was just beautiful because it wasn't even inking it was just penciling and it looked like it was kind of breaking down as well like little bits were coming off of it also, great job to Ram V because I think we're finally seeing a little bit more of his writing and influence into the story and less of Tinian's as we saw earlier in the story arc for part one and two, because this is part three. Obviously, you could see the story elements were influenced by Tinian and maybe some of the wordiness because I've not read anything of Ram V's before, but I think we're getting a little bit more because the wordiness isn't as Tinian wordy. Oh. If you know what I'm kind of getting at. Mm. Sometimes Tinian uses like Oh, we know. We will get into that, I promise you. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, that was Justice League Dark. Despite some of like confusion were some of the negatives of this, and I'm hoping that it gets explained. I know with a lot of Tinian's previous work before with Justice League Dark and even some of his other series, sometimes it takes a while for him to kind of explain major story elements but he usually will explain it at some point mm -hmm. i'm not sure about ramby i don't know if he's gonna deliver or if it's still mm -hmm. the tinian effect for this arc is gonna give us delivery of everything once i see tinian's name removed from the credits then i'll know for a fact this is all ramby because he's still mm -hmm. listed as like producing it or something I would say because maybe it's his arc, so mm -hmm. maybe like the fourth arc, whatever they start, that would be fully Ram V's. Because mm -hmm. it says story is him and Ram, mm -hmm. but writing is Ram V. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm very curious about this. I've been really tempted to pick up Justice League Dark and catch up on it, especially during this quarantine stuff. I'm like, I have all the time in the world. And then I proceeded to not do that. <laughs> I will say, as a recommendation for Justice League Dark, uh, I went into this only kind of knowing bits and pieces of different characters. I like Zatanna a lot. It's kind of the major reason I went in mm. on this series. But you don't really need to have too much of a background on some of these characters because either it gets explained or it doesn't matter. And that's the best thing. Yeah, I was gonna say like some of these I feel like those certain characters only survive in this one title because they don't have their own title, like Swamp Thing. I'm pretty sure he's only existing in this. <laughs> or not existing again anymore. Right. <laughs> and like Zatanna, she doesn't have her own. John Constantine, he has his own, but it's part of Sandman universe. And then the only person that connects is Wonder Woman. And I'm not really reading Wonder Woman at all. It only crossed over in Witching Hour, and that was about it. So. Right. They don't mention it in her run, but Justice League does mention Justice League Dark from time to time when it was under Snyder. And there were the nice editor notes like, what's Diana talking about? So find out in Justice League Dark. Shameless plug. Doing editor things. 
Where is that? <laughs> Listen, they could if they wanted to. They could cross them over. Like, they do this all the time. They're like, there's a call out here. And it's like, but it doesn't make any sense because you didn't keep it consistent throughout. It's just weirdly intersecting here. And then it doesn't intersect mm-hmm. again. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's Justice League Dark. I would definitely rate it a about a 7 out of 10. It was a solid story. I would definitely give it a higher edge of the 7 out of 10 compared mm. to the Marauders last time. I mostly gave it a higher rating because I, I liked the character mm-hmm. elements between two characters that were two pages of the entire comic. This one was very similar. It was just kind of moving the plot along. Nothing super major happened. It was just like the rot's gone from the people. Mm. We rescue Abigail and Khalid did a thing. I haven't really heard anything bad about Justice League Dark from you, like, ever since you've been reviewing it. Like, yeah, there have been some upsetting things that have happened to it, but overall, it's been pretty good reviews about it. It's been solid. Even, like, this one there, just, hey, we have to move something along. Nothing huge, nothing major, nothing character, like, astounding happened, but it's still really solid. Like, nothing just, Mm. why did this exist? Why did we need a full issue for this? I felt this could have actually been, like I said, could have been split into two different issues. They definitely could have expanded both stories, the Wonder Woman, Zatanna bit, and then the Dr. Fate bit. Or at least like they did back in like the 90s comics where they would like tack on a thing at the end and there would be an extra story. Right. Something like that. But I don't know. It's tough when you have a team like that though. And then like they do try to split it up and sometimes it does get a little bit confusing. And I know that's also very common with the X-Men titles too, that they do like to split them up in different sections all in one comic. Yeah. Three perspectives for the team just it stretches your attention thin because then you forget what's going on with the rest, especially mm-hmm. since it's been since March since we've had an issue. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't remember what happened. Mm-hmm. That was my problem that I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago where it's like uh, people have to either read back like the past couple issues or they just have to look up what happened <laughs> because it's been so long. And, you know, these comics are just continuing where they left off. So thankfully it was like, if you wanted to remember what was going on, you only had like two issues to read or at least skim to be like, oh yeah, that's what happened. Well, thank you so much for that. I really do need to pick up Justice League Dark and read that. I would like to get caught up before the next issue, which, because this is a monthly comic, right? Yes. Thankfully. I could definitely get caught up by July. Oh my God. It's almost July. Okay. (laughs) So. It's just the beginning of June. (laughs) It still feels like. March was last month for me. Okay. I know. It's shocking how fast spring went by. Like, I don't know if it's because of the quarantine and just being at home all this time, but it just feels like no time has passed. But at the same time, you know, I've been doing my best to be productive during the day. You kind of need a varied schedule or the days start to blend into each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Muse. Hold on. I'll get your spirits up. We're going to talk about action comics. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I can't do it today. It's not a good day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't even read this. and I just saw bits of it in one of the servers uh. that I'm a part of. Mild hype and disappointment. So please, Joe, explain. Be proud of me, okay? 
you're not going to get the full wrath of my venting that you normally get when I have a Bendis comment because I release it all on a different channel. I didn't that look we at have. it. I am hearing it for the first time. I did this for you. I didn't spoil myself, so you can just rage. This is Same. this is going to be the summary version of it because I'm not trying to be a hateful person for all the listeners. I don't want to scare people away. I want to draw them in and have them share this anger with what me. What better way to draw people in? <laughs> Than bashing Bendis. Let's do I mean, it. somehow he has fans. I don't know. Anyway, so this is Action Comics of 1022. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. The art is still done by John Romita Jr. This is a significant issue that people have been waiting for. Everyone was told by Brian Michael Bendis last April that this was going to happen in the Young Justice title, which is that Connor was going to meet John. He talked about this in a Reddit Ask Me Anything last April 2019, not 2020, basically said that John and Connor were going to meet as well as Tim and Damien. Connor and John were going to talk about who's going to be called Superboy and said some smug comment. He's like, oh, ho, ho, it'll be happening very soon. Uh-huh. Hinting at either Young Justice issue seven, eight, or nine, because it was issue four at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um... It didn't happen. It didn't happen until now, June of 2020. So that's about a year and two months later. Yeah, so Connor meets his brother. John decided to come back from the 31st century, from the Legion of Superheroes, and he brought around Brainiac 5. Once again, Connor has no memories of anything that is similar from the Earth that he left to the Earth that is now because of plot convenience. Bendis is just making the DC continuity thing more and more confusing with every single page. I will say, what I did like is that we did finally get to get this scene where Connor is reunited with Clark, and he gets to meet John, and he gets recognized by Martha and Jonathan. They know who he is. Where, if you recall, Clark and everybody else on the Earth except for young justice don't know who connor is nobody has recollection of him because he came from pre flashpoint along with bart and wally and this clark so nobody would know him because they were all technically still the new 52 and doomsday clock was supposed to fix all this still very confusing why only martha and jonathan remembered him but before i get into that things i didn't like still the art that is going to be a constant until John Romita Jr. is off of this. I don't know why he was put onto this. He was working with Frank Miller on the Superman Year One thing. His art has been inspired by Frank Miller for years. He's done work in Dark Knight's Metal. <laughs> I don't understand why he's on it because Ivan Reyes and Joe Prado did amazing work with Action Comics. The story was absolute crap but at least the art was good. You complain about Action Comics having bad story and good art, and they give you a bad story and bad art, and you still complain? Yeah, yes, I still complain. (laughs) I will say, because I've seen some screenshots, I did like how Connor looked like a young adult that we do not see very often. He either looks weirdly fat-faced like he did in Teen Titans, or he looks too childish like he does currently in the Young Justice run. He looks a little too young. But here, I was like, he looks like an 18 or 19-year-old. He looks older. You thought he looked too young? They make him look like a 14-year-old kid. They make them look like children. Not Gleason, the new person. Oh, I haven't read it. John Timms. Yeah, no. It's awful. No. 
But the problem is, the way Connor looks in this is the same face as John. It's the same face as Clark. It's the same face as Tim when he's drawn this way. <laughs> it's just Romita's art style. It doesn't have to do with the distinction of the character. It's just how he draws these teenage boys. The main thing I really wanted to get into, again, what I mentioned before in the description of it is Connor not remembering things because of plot convenience. There are certain things and certain people that Connor would remember, especially because when Clark and Wally came from pre-Flashpoint into the New 52 Rebirth Earth, they didn't have any memories wiped. They remembered everything that happened pre-Flashpoint when they came to Rebirth. And they would get into constant conversations like, no, 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 this isn't what happens, this is what happens. And they would talk about stories that happened pre-Flashpoint. In the Trinity title, Clark is literally telling Batman about the time he wore a rainbow suit <laughs> on his Earth. But for some reason, Connor can't remember certain things that are such key parts of his life, like Kellex, the AI robot that's in the Fortress of Solitude. He doesn't remember Mr. Terrific or any other heroes because apparently he didn't meet everybody on his Earth. Which, yes, he's not going to meet every single civilian on Earth, but he knows at least 95% of the hero community. He has been in constant events with all of these heroes. He doesn't remember exactly coming from Cadmus or being half Luther. He tells Clark that this is what he's been told. Uh. It's not just what he's been told. It's something that he has had constant story arcs about. Not to mention coming from Cadmus. That's exactly what his entire 90s run is about. Mm. And Brainiac 5. He doesn't know who Brainiac 5 is. Meanwhile, he has had several adventures in the 90s with Brainiac 5, not to mention that Brainiac 5 also had an event with him and the Fearsome 5 during the Teen Titans run of Jeff Johns. And, above all else, Brainiac 5 is one of the main reasons why Connor came back to life during Final Crisis. And you mean to tell me that this same kid that is supposed to have come from pre-Flashpoint doesn't remember any of these key things? Unless it's just all a ruse and he's not actually from pre-boot. Or Bendis can't remember what the heck preboot stuff is. I, I don't know. This just ah, upsetting. And again, with the Martha and Jonathan only being able to remember him. So New 52, Jonathan and Martha were dead. I don't know how they were killed, but they were killed during New 52 at some point. There is a key moment in Rebirth when it first starts where Clark of pre-Flashpoint actually visits the grave of Martha and Jonathan. Even though his Martha was alive pre-Flashpoint, these two weren't around. Then the whole Doomsday Clock thing happened and Dr. Manhattan brought Jonathan and Martha back. So maybe he merged the timelines there and that's why they remember Connor. But for Clark not remembering Connor, there's still no answer because, you know, Bendis likes to take one single thought and stretch it out into 12 to 15 issues until you get like a one sentence or a one panel answer and then they just move right on to the next problem. Clark did remember Connor during the Super Sons of Tomorrow arc when the future Titans came to Earth. Not to mention in Tomasi's story in Action Comics 1000 where you see flashbacks of each decade of Superman and when they have the 90s flashback you see Connor fighting alongside Steel and the black solar suit Clark and yes in the Superman Reborn arc where they merged the new 52 and the pre-flashpoint timelines to make it linear you don't see Connor in that scene which came before Action Comics 1000 so you could say maybe it was a stylistic choice for Tomasi and Patrick Gleason to put Connor in that scene for the Action Comics 1000 story 
Either way, Super Sons of Tomorrow came after that, and Clark remembered Connor. But it still makes no sense why he wouldn't remember Connor. Even if their New 52 and Rebirth timelines got merged, New 52, Clark also had a Connor. Granted, Scott Lobdell's Teen Titans got retconned, but the fact still remains that Connor was a part of both of their lives. My brain is blue screening. (laughs) There's just so many inconsistencies that just are frustrating. Well, I also think that's the difference between, like, reading for pleasure and reading for work. When you're reading for work, you do the bare minimum. (laughs) And I feel like you might have cut off a little too early. It's just annoying, too, because... This is a scene that people have been wanting since they heard Connor was coming back to DC. It just feels so lackluster for me. Just some bullshit that was thrown together without any effort or care in the world about it. Just to say, I put these two together. Praise me. Yeah, I only got bits of it because I was looking at screenshots, mostly of the reuniting conversation with Martha and Jonathan being like, Connor! And like the dialogue between like, John, Connor, Clark, and his parents are just so weird. There's no emotion. There's no heartfelt, oh my gosh, we're finally having the reunion that we've wanted since Connor's gotten announced. It was just, I'm doing it for the sake of doing it because it's fan service and fans are gonna love it. And like, you didn't even give any amount of heart into this whatsoever. Like the characters I'm just seem so, so flat. And also the confusion of Clark not knowing anything. That took away from it. I know fans wanted to see Clark actually hugging Connor and being like, I'm so happy to finally see you. It's been so long. Right. You don't know how long. Because yeah, even in like preboot, The relationship was a bit strained at the beginning, but then Clark really did see Connor as a bit of a son. And then, unfortunately, the animated Young Justice has given us probably the best Connor and Clark relationship of them being more like brothers. That you get to see. Yeah, Yeah, and this one just didn't give us anything. It didn't give us brothers, it didn't give us fathers, I don't care. There was no familial attachment, there was nothing. Even John was like, I'm just here! Like, they had the father-son relationship, they've had the big brother-little brother relationship, they even had the cousin's relationship, just like he had with Kara. Mm -hmm. But again, like, no matter what, they've always had a strong bond, especially during the Teen Titans run. And actually, no, even before that, in the 90s, when he knew that he can trust Connor enough to have him live on the farm with the Kents and be raised the same way he did. And there was just so many moments, and not even that, to dig it in a little bit deeper... When Wally came back for Rebirth and he met Barry, it took Barry a second, but he recognized Wally and put him in this tight hug and even said, how could I ever forget you? It was so sweet. And you mean to tell me that Connor and Clark couldn't have that type of relationship? He doesn't even have a close relationship with his wife. How can you expect him to have a relationship with this guy? I mean, now. And just another side thing that I thought was really weird. Brainiac 5, he's always been a fanboy of the past. He's always loved Superman and the Justice League and the golden age of heroes. But the way that he's written here, it sounds a little less fanboy and a little more that... Like like, flirting. Yes. What? There was this part where John and Brainiac 5 come back. John's like, oh, sorry for just popping in. And then Brainiac 5 is so, so, so nice to meet you again, sir. (laughs) And then they're talking about Connor's jacket. 
John's like, yeah, that jacket's fabulous. And then Brainiac's like, it really is. Uh, Excuse me? (laughs) I'm reading it like that because that is where Bendis put the bolded letters for emphasis. Listen, Bendis is about diversity, okay? You don't know, Brainiac might be very extremely attracted to Connor. I mean, maybe something happened during the Legion of Superheroes comic run that I haven't been reading since the first issue. It's called Subtext. Um, learn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just so bad. And I hated every single part of this. I gave it a 2 out of 10. I would go lower. But again, I was just happy to see that at least somebody recognized Connor. Granted, it was Jonathan and Martha who haven't been around for jack shit for the past four years because they were dead until Doomsday Clock, but at least we got something. I'm not looking forward to anything that happens. This is apparently going to be a three-issue story arc. I'm still amazed that you, like, you just sound surprised every time. I hate to see you like this because it's like, you knew. Like, you went into the room that said free whippings and you came out like, (laughs) wasn't candy in there. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you go in there every week. (laughs) What you, You just expect there to be candy in there sometime? You knew. So I know that there's not going to be any candy. I just don't expect how the whippings are going to go. <coughs> They're the same every time. It's a different twist of the wrist, I guess. <laughs> Dang. I'm sorry I brought up I that, hated that analogy. I, I apologize. <laughs> Muse looked like she was dying for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to haunt me too. But anyway, that was my tangent. Honestly cut that a lot shorter than i was expecting i think maybe because i said it out loud instead of just furiously typing like an angry (laughs) fanboy uh yeah (laughs) thank you for staying with me i blacked out halfway through so don't quiz me on it i know you did say as soon as i bring up anything kryptonian you black (laughs) this is true it's something to do with my tragic backstory but we won't get into that Instead, can we get into what you read? Oh, this is part of my tragic backstory. Okay, Detective Comics (laughs) 1022. (laughs) I'm kidding. This is not... Listen, ever since Tom Keen's unfortunate demise, Peter J. Tomasi has been my number one villain, and he's not that bad. He's not that bad. (laughs) But he's number one? He's now number one just by default. He got moved up. Okay. So, starting over. Detective Comics, we are dealing with Peter J. Tomasi, the artists, Brad Walker, Andrew Hennessy, longtime artist on Aquaman, I think. I'm pretty sure they were a team. Uh, read this. It's been a long time. So, if you need a refresher, last issue, we were dealing with Two-Face. He had a whole cult going. Cults got real crazy. Half of them are good, half of them are bad. They all are suicidal. And uh, Batman got caught. What starts off is sort of this fun 90s feel of Two-Face. He's sort of doing a little bit of monologuing. He's talking about how he scarred half his body to match his face. He's committed to the bit. And he gives this whole convincing speech about how you can't truly understand the nature of good and evil unless you embrace them both. Duality of man, the balance. You are always finding the balance. And... I want you to join me. And I was thinking like, okay, where is this going to (laughs) go? How is he going to try to convince Batman to mutilate half his body and then cut to Batman hanging over a vat of acid? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) We 
went full 60s. I was so happy. I'm like, yeah, we're going to have some hokey fun now. So Batman is like tied up like so that half of his side can just be like dipped like an Easter egg mm-hmm. and burn up half his body. So he's got all his cultists. They're in like a church or whatever. He's going to baptize him in the acid. He actually drops Batman into the acid. <laughs> the art is very dynamic. There's beautiful lines of acid everywhere. His cape is all dramatic. All the twists and turns as he's like writhing around in this vat. You can see his suit getting burned up. He's like, oh no, it might touch my skin soon. So, you know, he at least he's not ugly. And <laughs> he kind of dumps out the vat onto all of Two-Face's men. And Two-Face is like, build a bridge so that I can get to this window. <laughs> because, and so like With little bodies? ants, they're like putting yeah. him up like he's the mean girl. And they just have to like do what he says. They're all getting their feet burned. So Batman sets off a grappling hook and hooks it to each side of the building and has them all grab on so they don't die. And then he takes off. I did really like the one follower. He's like, but Mr. Two-Face, my feet are burning. He's like, yeah, and I don't want my feet to burn. Is that how you read Two-Face? I'm used to that Harley Quinn TV uh, show. I always... Uh, Two-Face, where it's like semi-mobster. But he's a lawyer, and his yeah. face is mutilated. Half of his lip is all saggy. He should be sounding kind of like this, you know, because he can't close <laughs> half his mouth. Like, if you can't close half your mouth, you're not going to be like, Hey, Tony, get up here. I need to get up to this window. I mean, it's Gotham, and Gotham is between New York and New Jersey, so. And then Two-Face just sounds exactly like that, except, you know, that groggy voice. I always thought of him as that, a It's like 90s Yeah, Batman. the cartoon one. It's just like, oh, what do you, yeah. what do you want? <laughs> but then, like, when he's not crazy, he's like, oh, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm just a helpful lawyer. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Once again, your face is half burned off. No one should be taking you seriously. <laughs> Despite, like, arguing about how he should sound, <laughs> he does at least keep his sentences short. So we're not even, like, on Tomasi for bad dialogue, except for the whole, you missed. That's just a classic trope thing. I don't blame Tomasi. I, I guess. He is in corny mode. So I'm like, you know what? We're still doing the 60s silly. So it's fine. Batman goes, no, I didn't. Just grabs on his grappling hook. <laughs> he tells everyone to get on and he flies away into the ceiling. And people are like, hi, Batman saved us. He didn't want us to die. Mr. <laughs> Two-Face, you were wrong. And Two-Face is like, no, he's coming back to kill us. Why? And I was like, okay, so this is, we've learned a little bit more. These people thought Batman was going to kill them. So maybe they are afraid and they're doing this. But then the mystery thickens. So I should say that before all this went down, the Cult of Bane in the last issue, the good side went out and they all did good things. They weren't allowed to do any evil. The Cult of Bane? Damn it. (laughs) Not everyone gets to have a cult, Two-Face. You don't get one. He gets two. (laughs) Listen, for anyone viewing at home, if I say Bane, I mean Two-Face. There's no Bane in this comic. It's just a mental block. I can do it. Okay, so Two-Face's good side went out last time. They did a bunch of good. No bad could be done. This time, the bad side went out, and no good could be done. So they're all out there going to blow up a children's hospital with a bunch of plastic. (laughs) You know... Just go big or go home. So these little leukemia 
kids are like standing at the window like what are you doing with their like unsupervised drawing you see that in like those headlines where they're doing that with construction workers and he was like yoink that's mine now and these kids of course will be up in the middle of the night with all the hospital lights on and no nurses or doctors around and they're all just watching these men about to blow them up batman shows up one of the guys wasn't down with murder so he gets murdered batman comes fights them steals the bad guy he smiles at the little kids he gives them like a little little finger little gun finger gun yeah like he's <laughs> superman <laughs> And the kids eat it up. Suddenly, they all have pictures of bats. I was just going to say, how skilled are these, these kids, kids that are they amazing. can instantly draw bat stuff on the on Either that or Batman stayed for a while and milked it. Just stayed in that finger gun pose I feel like <laughs> these kids don't care about violence or action. They saw Batman and they were like, quick, we have to capitalize off this moment. And they went back to drawing. <laughs> so Batman uses his guy. This little detective work finds out about this guy's widow, asks her how she got all this money. She's like, you know, my husband was dying of cancer. He was in jail. Someone got him out, someone high up. They told us that we'd get all this money. If he went on this job, he did it. He died. If it's a closed casket, we have money. So then Batman's like, okay, I get, I get what's happening. And he goes back down and he tells the guy like, look, I know everything. Now tell me what you know <laughs> that I don't know. And the guy's like, all right, so here's what happened. And this is where the story gets stupid. All right? <laughs> it already sounded pretty bizarre before. <laughs> Listen, I'm all for bizarre. I was a huge fan of Adam West. Okay, so here's where we are. This guy, he got his face blown up in a meth accident. He's all disfigured. He's living on the streets with this other guy who, you know, has a conscience. They're making their way. They see a dead guy. He has like 75 grand on him, but it's Two-Face. And the one guy's like, we should save him. And the guy's like, I don't think we should. And then Joker shows up. But it's not our Joker. <laughs> this Joker is the new 52 Joker in Death of the Family. <sighs> this guy... With the stapled face. Yes. He's wearing his face like a mask. It's disgusting. I hate it. I thought this guy was gone forever. He shows up with a bunch of money. Tells the guys if they work for him to, like, follow Two-Face or whatever. He'll give them more money. Um, it's a finder's fee. He gives them an upfront thing along with the cash they already found. So they're already, like, on board. He calls Two-Face, what does he call him? Mr. Abogado? <laughs> I'm just like, that's such a weird thing to do. Just, this, that's a Spanish word for lawyer muse. I, I know numbers and colors, and that's it. <laughs> right? It's not a common thing to say. So, like, how is he using that slang? It was just kind of weird. He does a lot of that, like, convoluted talk, like, where it's one thing might take, like, half of a, a sentence to say. He uses yeah. several. So, all of a sudden, text bubbles get huge, and we see him being taken to a place with Doctor Strange, where they can lobotomize him. They wake up Harvey so that he can be awake while they drill into him, because it helps them not cause brain damage. So, or he's got a bullet in his head. So, they're taking the bullet out. And they're just uh, going to throw a little thing in from uh, the Mad Hatters. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yep. And so the Mad Hatter is there tied up. They've gotten him to give them something. And so what he's going to do is he's going to make Two-Face one of his foot soldiers in the upcoming battle. So that's the, all the, in the flashback the guy's telling us. And we get to sort of speculate what exactly did the Joker do to Two-Face. And obviously it didn't go well because 
Two-Face didn't make that appearance that we were promised. But then it cuts to the current day, and we have the current Joker, who looks a lot like Heath Ledger in a lot of these. He looks demonic. Yeah, he's because he's got black, black eyes. eyes. His eyes are all blacked yeah. out and inky, and his smile goes up almost to his eyes like a shark's mm. smile. He's doing something. He said, like, Harvey fell through. This guy is now in what appears to be the Court of Owls lair, and he's digging for something with, like, explosives, and and he has, like, a second draft pick, basically. So I'm wondering if this is going to tie into the Joker War. If he- it is. This is one of the key issues for Joker War. Uh, and I want to say this is probably what's going to lead into Nightwing because I believe Nightwing issue 72, it has Joker on the cover. How bizarre. Great. I will say this, though. I remember Joe was asking, why is this Joker different from the new 52 Joker? Like, how can the new 52 Joker and this current Joker exist in the same universe, right? Yeah, because I didn't read New 52. I saw images of his face getting ripped off and wearing it with staples. I saw them do it in the Gotham TV show adaptation. I didn't like any version of this. I thought it was creepy as hell. And again, with the whole Doomsday Clock thing and reverting and this whole three Joker story that's supposed to come out with this theory that's supposed to become canon. It's all confusing. Well... The thing about this Joker, I'm going to say some stuff that I hope is true. There's like a little bit of a rabbit hole, so you have to follow with me. So I think I told you guys what Dionysium was, right? Yes. Okay. So just for everybody else, Dionysium is a chemical compound from the Hyperadapter. The Hyperadapter is a dark side recruit. He was locked in a vault that had the super fancy name. He's just one of dark side servants so as you know dark side servants have like powers hyper adapters ability to go back and forth through time is one of them and he chases batman through time eventually catching up to him at this place called the vanishing point which was one of those multiverse ending situations so this is back in the new 52 pretty sure the adapter possessed him brought him back to our time justice league fights him he gets kicked out of batman Comes a giant primordial bat, goes back in time to caveman days, and gets killed and skinned. Before all of that, lovely. Yeah, he makes some pit stops. One of them being to Doctor Hurt. Do you remember Doctor Hurt? No, I didn't read New Fifty Two. The name is ringing a bell. He's a reference to a very old doctor, but then he's been brought back for a little bit since then. He's kind of like a really smart manipulator villain of Batman's. He runs into this primordial bat, thinks it's the demon Barbados. We see, basically, I can't remember if it was Vandal Savage or Simon Hurt who came up with the idea that anyone who interacts with the blood of the hyperadapter becomes a Barbados. So the list of Barbados would be Vandal Savage, who was a caveman who found this hyperadapter and whose blood actually has a compound called Dionysium, named after Dionysus, the god of ritual madness. And anyone who comes into it becomes a little bit mad and also a little bit immortal, or at least has their life extended. Okay. So we got Vandal Savage, immortal caveman. We've got Rachel Ghoul, who has the Dionysium pits, which are the Lazarus pits, because they have corrupted Dionysium in them. Which allows them to be rejuvenated. Right. We have Simon Hurt. Okay. He ages slowly. We have the Talons, who use the compound in their um, Electrum compound. And then uh, the Joker, who, during Endgame, 
fell into one of these Lazarus pits, but a special one. Not the kind that changes your clothes for you, but the kind that has pure Dionysium, and it stays <laughs> in your veins. So basically what Dionysium is, is plot armor. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring it up. You're gonna be bringing this up for it's <laughs> I don't canon. Know how long. It they just let her do it. I mean, I'm right there with you. Say it as much as you want. California Lazarus pits are a superficial. Never mind. I'm not gonna finish that sentence. Okay. <laughs> so the Joker said he used the Dionysium in the pure Lazarus pits to revive himself, but it also gives him limited respawns basically. So he doesn't even need the pits because it's in his blood. It's weird. I do like how it's connected into all these different things though, aside from the Joker. It's definitely a new take with the Vandal Savage thing, at least for me, because I don't know that origin of Vandal Savage, unless that's something new. Because the one I know is Neanderthal sees a meteorite, goes next to it for warmth, and then he becomes immortal because of radiation. It's a pretty convoluted way to rejuvenate a character that was so mutilated, writing-wise, but also in the story. Mm -hmm. And now, I don't like it because the lasting after-effects are, that's why we can't kill the Joker, that's why he keeps coming back. It's because he's got special plot armor in his blood. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a cop-out, but... That's where we're going. I like the, if you're keeping the whole meteorite thing, caveman thing for Vandal Savage, you could then say, oh, the Dionysium was inside of it. Right. Okay, it, you're still keeping him the same guy, which also kind of makes sense as to why he's a little... Mad? Corrupt? A little not right in the head, but he's not like Joker mad. He's mm. just kind of a bit more of a megalomaniac, and it seems like the same thing with Dr. Hurt, based off a little bit I looked up, I was like, this guy looks like a Vandal Savage. And Rachel Ghoul with Lazarus Pits. It all makes sense in those ways, which I think is really cool. Just throwing Joker in to not just like, oh, he's going into a Lazarus Pit or he got near some like Dionysium radiation. No, we're going to throw him into a vat of pure Dionysium. So now his plot armor is thick as uh, Clark Kent's skin when he's like <laughs> directly in front of the sun. What are you talking about? Clark Kent is human. <laughs> normal man <laughs> superman there we go for a regular man <laughs> any kryptonian in front directly in front of the sun <laughs> that is how strong this man's plot armor is <laughs> sorry about your allegory <laughs> your using her stupid analogy that's, that's, that's my thing i make dumb analogies no, it was a fine analogy it's just that as soon as he heard you, like, the panic in his face was <laughs> so real. <laughs> I died. Uh, Superman. You mean Superman? Okay. But yeah. I mean, listen, there were a lot of pluses in this issue. There were a lot of minuses. A lot of it being that the majority was a flashback with a ton of text. Like, yeah. a lot of it didn't even need to happen. I'm really not a fan of Tomasi's Joker adaptation. It was unnecessary. Like, every time I read his stuff, I'm like, you could have done a few more drafts of this. It seems like forced convolutedness. A little rough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we could have had a fun time. He always does this. He draws you in. You're like, we're going to have fun. He goes, ha, yeah. no, I got stuck halfway through. I think I was telling you about this the other day where it's Tomasi's plots. They what do you call it like a popsicle type of plot where you know it kind of keeps you in for a good half three quarters of it and then that last quarter it just 
falls right off and it's garbage. <laughs> or it melts all over your hand and you're just like, well, mm-hmm. it just fell apart. Yeah, that's these comics, but... I honestly relate to him, honestly, because, like, it's really easy to set stuff up and it's really hard to finish, to create an ending for a cool setup. If you remember a lot of the 60s Batman, (laughs) the way they solved the cases was a lot sillier than how it started. A lot of times it was just kind of, like, wrapped up real quick and in a stupid way. And so if you're gonna try to give it a serious twist in the last half, it's a hard line to walk, for sure. I think it's just also easier for him to write somebody with superpowers because you could just whisk it away with that as your plot ender it's like and he was just stronger so he won (laughs) he's like and then he just believed really hard (laughs) thinking of super sons i was gonna say the flash but yeah (laughs) and then everything worked out instead we've got this i'm just gonna leave you with this one bit of joker dialogue because i couldn't resist he has two face trapped and they're about to lobotomize him he says this I don't need to be coy, Roy. Hugo here is going to perform an endoscopic craniotomy, which involves the insertion of a lighted scope with a camera into your brain through a small incision in the skull. From there, we're going to attach a little microdot bronco buster to ride that bullet and make it jump when we say jump, and also a little something from Mad Hatter to help initiate some grand ideas about memory loss when necessary just for the grand diagonal of it all. And that's like in the tiniest bubbles on the page. He keeps going. But the point of it is, it feels weird to have Joker being like, good thing I've got a doctor's degree to heal you up, Buster. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Tomasi can write the Joker. It's a little <laughs> weird. He's definitely trying to be quirky, and it's not quite working. Yeah, yeah no, he sounds like a weird Harley Quinn Deadpool yeah thing and it's just joker isn't that like i can understand paralleling harley to deadpool they have similar ways of speech and some other mannerisms but they're very distinct in others joker is not deadpool at all like, <laughs> how do you I make would this say i could definitely see harley saying these things. exactly i can't see the joker i definitely prefer tinian's joker over tomasi's joker then again tinian modeled his heavily from the mark hamill's in the 90s batman cartoon which is how everyone should write him <laughs> exactly <laughs> him or i love nicholson oh do you like jack nicholson he had like an interesting balance of joker oh, he being scary. like he was a scary he, like, joker terrifying and scary but the dialogue was actually pretty spot on for joker like a different type of joker different than like heath ledger dark like heath ledger was a lot more of the psychotic dark while this Mm -hmm. nicholson's joker was a little more conniving yeah because he had that mobster background. yeah he had more the mobster background of things which i enjoyed and it worked for the films Mm -hmm. but yeah best joker is definitely mark hamill joker i agree hands down yeah i think it's fine honestly like if i had to read it i'd probably give it a 7 out of 10 because like i know that text walls aren't my thing like i really hate them personally but i know some people don't mind them at all and it's not a complete blocker to the story just because they reference new 52 joker which was disgusting i hate looking at his face i hate remembering he exists and even though like you can see his yellow eyes in this through his like puffy sockets but the new version of joker he has just black shark eyes it's so also grotesque it's cool to see the reference to new 52 because again new 52 isn't completely erased it merged apparently with pre-flashpoint to make everything linear so Mm -hmm. some things happened some things didn't so like that joker thing i believe that's 
part of the three Joker story, whatever happened to him there. But how come we didn't know until now? How come this is a thing? Like, this is so irritating because the whole, like, we have a history, you were there for it, we know it, you know it, but we're not going to stick to some of it. So you don't really know what's true and what's not at any time. Because your characters have no history, they have no past, you really are always just taking everything at face value. You have no control or knowledge of these characters that you've grown up with because none Mm -hmm. of it's true and you have no foundation for them. It kind of undermines a lot of the stories. It's really all up to the writers about what they want to put in and what they want to include. And then when you have these giant events like this where it's going to be happening out of continuity unless they decide hey this actually really worked well and imagine if they had just left at that like they were just like this is a whole new start this didn't happen so now that joker they don't have to bring that back they don't have to explain Mm -hmm. that to the people who have never read new 52 who are going to be like what am i seeing here what is that versus like the people who bendis is dealing with because he's like these guys have a history but he's only sticking to bits and pieces of it and you're always like off because you don't know these characters. You, he'll say something and you're like, oh, I know what happened here. But he'll say it in a weird way and you're like, oh, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest weakness that the Rebirth comics have. And also, you're coming in Medias Res with a lot of these characters. You're coming in the middle of their stories that probably already were either quote-unquote established during New 52 or established during Preboot. And you want it to be accessible to people and it's like okay well what history do I base it off of like uh I don't know my brain always goes to Tim but his stories are so drastically different between preboot and new 52. What they should have done in my opinion is it's like when you're laying down new carpet because the old carpet is rotten we'll just call this carpet (laughs) color 52 and you pull that carpet up and then you put a new carpet down you don't put the new carpet on top of the old carpet because that rot seeps through the top and now mm-hmm. this one's gross and they're like let's put down another carpet we'll call it the 5g yeah. and we'll just throw that on top and something's gonna rot through that until you get pulled up i was gonna say this last episode too because muse you were actually leading up to this last week when you brought up how it seems like dc doesn't have an end goal with a lot of their stories that they're not really going anywhere i was gonna say it's mainly also because this whole 5G initiative that they're trying to do. So right now, a lot of these giant events and stuff, it just kind of feels like filler until they can get up to that. Because remember we were supposed to get something called issue zero for free comic book day that was supposed to start off the 5G initiative or at least get people on basically an understanding of like, hey, this is where we're heading. Mm -hmm. And because of the whole quarantine and publication being paused, we never got that issue. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking too far forward to that 5G initiative, like you said, and they're just letting down all these other events. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever, just entertain them until this comes around because 5G is more important than you're the villain and Batman who laughs and now Joker war. Like, who Doing freaking cares? Mm-hmm. Like, none of it's going to matter yeah. once the 5G initiative comes around. That is so lazy. Like, it's like Marvel looking towards in-game and Infinity War and being like, who cares about the in-between? Okay, yeah, there's a couple of movies in between, like, <laughs> the first Avengers and Infinity War. But there's actually so much good content in between to keep you tidied over until the big event and keep you interested. And it's important. 
Not only that, like, if 5G is supposed to be a legacy type of thing where mantles are getting passed down, don't you want to have some type of attachment to these characters that are going to pretty soon be the canon heroes? Mm -hmm. But instead, we're just getting these fillers and these events like Year of the Villain where everybody got affected, but then you have Event Leviathan that seemed to only affect Bendis comics. And now with this Joker War, who knows how far it's really going to stretch. Yeah, is it just going to stay in Gotham and affect Batman, Detective Comics, and Nightwing? Or those are the only... Gotham-related ones? So it's Batman, Nightwing, Detective Comics, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Red Hood Outlaw, and then Batman the Joker Warzone. Okay, so pretty much anything to do with Gothamites. And that is it so far. Which is more than what Bendis' Event Leviathan can talk about. I feel like Event Leviathan was only there to make Superman stands mad. Like, <laughs> just to be like... <laughs> the most important thing that we learned out of Leviathan was that Superman can at will pop hair out of his face. That Leviathan just set up the reason why Clark hates secrets. <laughs> so funny still i don't know much about event leviathan at all besides just it's some old man apparently but yes supergirl is probably not one of the best written cw shows it is way better than batwoman by a long shot but the leviathan group is actually pretty intimidating I know, but that one, they took the idea because CW likes to take main comic story mm -hmm. arcs and put them in there, but it is completely different from what happened yeah. in the actual comics. Supergirl did it better for over two seasons than whatever the heck Bendis made. Like, Supergirl, for heaven's sakes. She doesn't have the best track record sometimes on storyline. Yeah. Well, most of the things it gets roasted for now are just the effects. Yeah. But Anyways. let's wrap this up here. So... Fee, final thoughts on Detective. Oh, I like it goes. Uh, definitely 7 out of 10. Still enjoyable, just okay. kind of, you know, not for me. Mm -hmm. I read that and I really wanted to hear your opinions on that and Catwoman. You just like to see me suffer. I just want to suffer with you. <laughs> There's a difference. That's so sweet. <laughs> but could you please read out next week's comics? Oh, absolutely. For DC? Are we skipping or what this, about week? this week? Oh, yeah, read this week's. <laughs> okay, um, this week's Batman Superman number 9. Birds of Prey, number one. Did not read that. You did not like nope. it. I saw some screenshots of it. I didn't read it. The screenshots I saw didn't make me want to read it either. I just skipped <laughs> no. it. Uh, Catwoman, number 22. That was a horrible filler. The dust bunnies. Oh, I'm gosh. still halfway through. I'm going to get there. Catwoman 80th came out. We didn't read it. It's in the mail. Mine actually just got shipped two days ago. Mine got shipped today. Far Sector number six. Uh, John Constantine Hellblazer number six. I actually dropped that after issue four. Well, then you are useless to me. Shazam number 12. We both read it. It was supposed to take place before issue one of Jeff Johns' run. And it was just filler. I, I go into it. I'm like, are you kidding me? You ended on a cliffhanger on issue 11 and you're giving me filler? But <laughs> it was a cute issue. It definitely seemed more like an annual. There was an awesome Batman spread. I will say some of the art in this was actually pretty solid. And then the moments between Batman and Billy were really sweet. Oh so. my gosh. Okay, I'm, some I'm good character development. Right. You guys made it sound like it was bad. This is actually wonderful. It's not that it was bad. Like, it was good. It's yeah. just that, like, in terms of where we left off, <laughs> yeah. this is not what I wanted. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're trying to just drag this out. Why did we delay it, Jeff Johns? I love you and I hate you. 
I hate you more than I like you. <laughs> I, resp- I respect oh you for gosh. past works, but... Uh, <laughs> you guys. I've heard rumors that he is, at some point, no longer going to be writing Shazam very quickly, and someone else is going to be taking over. I don't I've know. i heard that, too. And I'm like, aww. But it happens all the time. Probably whenever this storyline wraps up, it'll go to new hands, which... Yeah. I think issue 16, it's supposed to switch. But I believe there's one more title, B. Am I allowed to say it now? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wonder Woman 756. That was a lot better than last week for me. Okay, I'm glad. Just because more Donna Troy? That and the actions between Paula and Diana. Oh, good. And the cliffhanger it's left on. Nice. Not too much information. Helpful. Definitely read it. Definitely. I'm on the Wonder Woman train. I'm like trying to get people to read it too. After one After issue. two issues, <laughs> sir. There oh, were two. Who's the current writer? Uh, Steve Orlando until a couple more issues and then he's off and then he's doing his Marvel thing. <laughs> so now can you please read next week's for DC? Sure. Next week we're going to get Batman 92. We're going to get The Flash 755, Nightwing 71, Justice League 56, Harley Quinn 73, Justice League Odyssey 21, and Lois Lane 11, Batman Secret Files number 3, Legion of Superheroes number six, and of course the Joker's 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular number one. I love that title. I hate it. And also, are we going to talk about Joker? No. (laughs) The hatred is real. I'm just going to read it. I figured if we want to talk about it, we could talk about it. We should at least give a nod to it. It's very important to us. Yeah, yeah, we'll give a nod to it. Nobody I know, but some people like the Joker. I've seen them. He's a very beloved comic character. I like him as a villain. I do believe he's one of the top villains for Batman. When it comes to Mark Hamill, I'm excited to see the Joker. That's fair. I want to see Hamill play Egghead. (laughs) (laughs) I love how Egghead just became your favorite. He's my favorite now. (laughs) He's the best villain of all time. Egghead. (laughs) If only you could see her face light up as she says this. (laughs) He's super smart. He's funny. He's like Lex Luthor with a personality. Muse, can you read next week's potential Marvel? Uh, so we have Daredevil number 20, New Mutants number 10, Excalibur 10, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 17, Deadpool number 5, and V's favorite, Black Cat number 11. Well, at least you have a title or two to read next week, Muse. No, I don't. You don't read New Mutants or Excalibur? No. Okay, I do read Excalibur now because it did get better. Yeah, I told you to pick it up again. I'll be reading Black Cat. Yeah. And Deadpool. And Black then Batman. Cat. We all have Batman. Yeah, we have a lot. that's the punchline. Oh, one. yeah, that is the punchline. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Alex podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Court of Alex. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye.